0: Radioinfluence.com.
1: It is time for the midweek edition of the MMA Report Podcast. I am Jason Floyd. Of course, if you're watching this on video to my right, that is Daniel Gavon. And if you're watching this on video, we appreciate that you subscribe to the channel. Uh, Hit the thumbs up video. Hit the thumbs up on the video. We really do appreciate that. Of course, we got your content covered every week here on the MMA Report Podcast. Hopefully, everyone had a great holiday weekend. I was out in Phoenix where. Unlike the rest of the country, it was very warm. Uh, I think it was Saturday afternoon. We got almost to the 70 degrees area in Phoenix. So I uh, had a good time out there. Uh, Dale, how was your holiday weekend, man?
0: Man, uh, I had a, I had a great holiday weekend. It was just uh, spectacular. Uh, I was able to spend it time with my family, my friends, drink a little too many daddy sodas, ate a whole lot of lasagna, I put on about 15 pounds, but i'm feeling good man i'm feeling festive in the holiday spirit how was your uh, holidays
1: it was good man it was good man did uh did christmas with the family on thursday and then of course left uh, on friday to head out to phoenix and uh got back to uh tampa at about uh i think got my house about seven seven o'clock in the morning on monday morning and so uh yeah last night was a little bit of an early night you know uh you know got, got a little tired there but uh man overall it was a great weekend hopefully everyone had a great weekend and of course uh of course, we got coming up here on the new year this weekend, so hopefully everyone is safe, has a, a safe uh, New Year's Eve celebration. But of course, we're here to talk about what is going on in the world of mixed martial arts. And Daniel, uh, just like you say every week, man, something happens. And uh, I guess we should just uh, our first topic, I think, should just be simply as the plot has thickened once again and this comes out on Christmas Eve night Uh, you know you never think of you know major MA news coming out Christmas Eve night but that's what happened over there at ESPN.com as David uh, Purdom and Mark Ramondi have the story that was titled UFC's Jeff Molina suspended by Nevada State Athletic Commission Um, and uh, they basically they find it on the mixed martial arts registry the fact that he has a suspension that that uh, was marked as uncategorized, which I did ask uh, some people in the regulatory side of this sport. I said, hey, is this kind of a an uncommon thing to happen? They said, no, this, this does happen. Um, and then, of course, uh, apparently Jeff Molina is going to be a part of the next University Athletic Commission meeting. So, you know, everyone's, uh, you know, you know, everybody started making assumptions. And then so I highlighted a couple of things in this article. Uh, one word says Molina trained for years under MMA coach James Krause withdrew from the bout on December 3rd one day after the UFC announced that fighters training under Krause would be banned from UFC events if they did not disassociate with him and uh, two paragraphs later goes on to say multiple sources told ESPN that Molina is also linked to the investigation which according to the UFC involves multiple government entities the FBI is collecting information and has spoken to people regarding the men minor- versus. Versus neuron Becky fight, according to multiple services, uh, multiple sources. Uh, Nevada State Athletic Commission Executive Director Jeff Mullen said he could not comment on whether Molina was sp- suspended until the meeting support material is released. Damn, let's not be shocked that the executive gre- director essentially says no comment. Let me let's let's call that let's call that what that is. That's a no comment. But and, and I think I mentioned this here on the pod within the last week or two that you know look anytime that there is a James Krause fighter at at one time and pulls out of a UFC fight over the next couple weeks, the assumptions are going to come. And of course, when I see this news, first thing I do, let me go to Jeff Lee's social media because he's kind of a pretty active guy on social media. Last tweet, November the 30th, he did put some stuff in his IG stories, which were basically just essentially uh, reposting of tweets uh, of, of messages on, on Instagram, but really nothing has free since September. So I was like, okay.
0: You should DM him, send him a direct message and ask him what is up, Jeff, what's going on.
1: I may have asked if he was doing interviews
0: and I'm assuming he's, he's, he's on next after me or <laughs> uh, no,
1: no, no. Here, here's the thing. So about, it was within probably would say the last 10 or 14 days. I saw, I want to say it was it was either on Reddit or Twitter, one of the two, that people were starting to speculate whether or not Melina could be involved in this. So I hit up some people. And you know how you know something might have some potential fire involved in this sport? What? No, no one responded. <laughs>
0: Yeah, usually whenever you ask a a question that could be difficult to answer, the response tells you everything you need to know, even if you don't get one. And that appears to be the case when it comes to this particular story, is this story isn't coming out right at you. I mean, this is requiring serious journalism from people to scope around, look around, look at it with the magnifying glass, and get that information. Currently, the people in power, in the regulators, in law enforcement, in the UOC, aren't divulging any significant amount of information about this story. I mean, to say this story, what's the, is it opaque? Is it opaque? Is that the opposite word of transparent? I mean, that's been the uh, the theme of this story is how little we know. Yeah. Once again, we know the results. We know Molina's is suspended. We know Krauss is suspended. The UFC has basically said you can't be associated with James Krauss if you want to compete. Still don't know the middle part. But what the mm-hmm. Jeff Molina bit does tell us is that this story has more of a of a width to it than we knew. This isn't a singular thing of Kraus and Minner. One fight happened. Here we go. This lets us know, Krause up top, men are fought. Somewhere on the side, Jeff Molina is involved. So the question is, does this extend from just one fight to many more fights? And God, I hope we get the answers to the, these questions, because to me, it's it's the most interesting story we have heading into the new year.
1: Yeah, it, it's one thing, and I was talking to somebody today who used to be in law enforcement, and you know, they were kind of saying to me, it's like, look, like, when the the question probably is going to come is if multiple people are involved in this, who's going to flip on who? And you just like like I was thinking about that interview Dana White gave Brett Akimoto and kind of how he talked about the you know the scandal, and it it just makes me wonder is inside those UFC offices I wonder how much of a concern this truly is, or is the mindset just simply look, we did nothing here. You know, we're just putting on fights. We can't control if, if people are getting involved in some type of, of, of betting. I don't even know how you want to put it.
0: Because we don't know what it is. Yeah. We don't know what it is. We don't know if it was something as simple as one fight happened where Minner's injury was bet against. Okay. We don't know if Minner's own team bet against him knowing his injury. If it's as little as that, which is super significant. A super significant thing that should have these guys no longer allowed to be associated with the sport and will likely lead to uh, some significant punishments in the real world. So we don't know if it's as small as that or if it's a more wide scale thing. That's the most interesting thing moving forward is what we have going on here. There are so many different ways this story can go. And if you're the UFC, unless you know everything, which obviously they know more than they're leading on, but they probably don't know everything, that's going to dictate your level of concern. Because if this is a much more widespread issue than just that single fight that happened and literally did take place, that's when the concern starts to happen. Because if you're a sport that has allowed several fights with insider trading type information going against it, that's a real, real concern. If you can't police your own sport.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was just looking ahead at the next UFC show and one fighter that's on their card has trained at glory. I don't know where he's training at right now, I'll probably have to take a deep dive into his social media. And that's Isaac Dolgarian. Who's going to be, it's going to be his UFC debut. Um, if you don't, if you may remember that name, that's because he won a contract on Dana White's looking for the fight back in February. Uh, then there was an issue with the Nelk boys and kind of that whole situation. Um, uh, not a milk boy consumer. <laughs> um, uh, I'm sure there's probably some people in our audience, but, you know, it's that thing of any time that we're talking about a James Krause fighter, you know, whether they train at glory one time or not, that question is going to come up. And I'll continue to say this, that any time a, a once James Crest, James Krause led fighter pulls out of a fight. The assumptions are gonna start. And it may not be a fair assumption, but that's that's the world we live in.
0: It is, Ben. It is the world we live in. Uh and, and that's how this story has kind of been interpreted by us, by the media, by fans of the sport, and by fellow fighters is it is very much a connecting the dots type of story. It's very much um we are reading the tea leaves. We are assuming. And, I, you know, I, I remember growing up and hearing the phrase, if you assume you make an ass out of you and me. And, and that's why a lot of my language throughout this coverage has been kind of CYA, covering my ass. Because I don't want to come out here and be super authoritative about what happened because I can't reiterate enough how little we know actually did happen. Just to go back, all we know is the basics. The odds sw- swing dramatically. There were suspicious betting activity. Derek Minner was injured before the fight. Derek Minner used his injured leg in the fight. Derek Minner lost early on in the fight. James Krause was his coach. James Krause has a, a gambling um, uh, discord. He's a significant fig- figure in the gambling world. He takes over people's gambling accounts. Uh, okay. Uh, all right.
1: I, I want to stop you there. Uh-huh. When you bring that point up, you know what the first thing comes to my mind? What's that? That can't be legal.
0: I don't know. I'm not a gambling expert.
1: I'm not not either. But like when I've heard not just you, but I've heard other people bring that point up. And I think even James said it in that interview with Ariel, that how they took over people's accounts. I'm sitting going, is that legal? I, I, and yeah. I don't, I look if you know whether this is illegal or not, hit it in the comment section below because I would love to know because I would tend to think that that's not legal.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. All I know <laughs> is he publicly advertised doing that, as okay. you said.
1: Yeah, but I, that's my thing. James Krause lives in Missouri. I'm not sure if, if sports betting is legal in Missouri, but like, let's take a state. Um, Like Pennsylvania. I know Pennsylvania sports betting is legal in Pennsylvania. Like if someone lives in Pennsylvania, is James Krause logging into their account via a VPN to make that, you know, this is way too complicated for me, but, but every time I hear people say that, I just go, could that be part of the legal issues for James Krause? And if he has any business partners that were involved in this business.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think there's a lot of like, a lot of like murky things that James did with th- with that, and then it it could be a real Pandora's box of, of different issues and, and different things he did that was shady. And then the only other thing we know, in addition to what I mentioned, was just that Jeff Molina was a prominent member of James Krause's team, a guy who's very vocal. You know, when Megan Anderson went out and aired out James Krause's issues.
1: Uh, <laughs> I love how you say uh, issues
0: yeah I'll just leave it at that because it was a dirty story um, Jeff Molina was the one who went out and defended him publicly and tried to discredit Megan Anderson so uh,
1: what, what you're saying is allegedly James alleged, Krause has has good taste So what you're allegedly saying
0: you know um, allegedly I would, say, <laughs> I would say allegedly James Krause makes Mistakes is what I would say. I would say allegedly James Krause makes poor choices when it comes to, uh, yeah, I, I, I um, allegedly think James Krause basically is someone who has made mistakes because he was interested in the short-term versus thinking about the long-term ramifications.
1: That, that is a great way. <laughs> if, if, and look, if you're listening to this, watch this, and you have no idea what we're talking about, just go to Twitter. And just search James Krause, Megan Anderson, Jeff Molina. You'll get all the dirt you want to know.
0: Yeah, it's a dirty story. But Molina was the guy who went out to bat for him. And
1: And I feel like he was the only one.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the only one who who waited in those waters because those are are murky waters, to say the least. Mm -hmm. But it feels like when it comes to the reporting end, I mean, it's really going to come down to Uh, Who has really good sources with people that are willing to speak out anonymously whenever this story breaks? Because at this point, the analysis is just coming from, you know, scouring the databases, looking at social medias of of, of fighters that trained with crowds back in the day, you know, scrolling through different people's stuff and seeing if they have a a weird like or a tweet Mm -hmm. or something.
1: Oh, that, that, that was a thing. That was my first thought. You know, this ESPN story, I was like, okay, who leaked it to them? Who Who told them, hey, guys, y'all might want to go to the registry and just check out Jeff Molina's profile. Yeah. Because when, when a fighter is under suspension from an athletic commission, like – like, look, look, I'll tell you, I think topology is a great resource to look at fighter's history. But when it comes to the, and I know there's people, there's OGs of sport that love Sherdog, but at the end of the day, MixMartialArts.com is the official registry for MMA records. That is where commissions go into to put in the result of the fights, but also to put in if there is a suspension. So it's a great resource uh, to go out there if you want to find anything out there. Um, but I mean, look, the this, this story is going to. I, I feel like it will not be via reporting that we find out what truly went on. It's just going to be a press release from the FBI in terms of what happened.
0: I think before that press release happens, we'll get something, but that's just because that's how the media landscape works. But I will say it's been impressive how little information has come out.
1: The the thing I'll tell you that, you know, and and I'm not the type of guy that's trying to make that viral clip or viral clip or, or have some clickbait headline, but during Sunday's podcast, yeah, I got I got a podcast out on Christmas Day. Of course, I might have recorded, but you know, about three days before that. But I did get it out on Christmas Day. But I was interviewing Michael Aswell, who's an undefeated prospect out of Texas, and so we're talking. And when I was on his Instagram, kind of getting ready for the interview, I saw a lot of Glory fighters commenting, and I was like, hmm. and then I didn't bring it up. But he brings up the fact of he went to glory to do some training. So I'm like, I got to ask the question. And, you know, being in this game for a long time, I kind of knew the way to ask the question, but not come off in like a certain type of tone. And my thought was like, okay, I think uh, I think my line was, well, we all know what's going on with the head of that gym or the former head of that gym. What does what your training life look like now? And he basically said, he's like, I don't know. Damn. But it's one of those things I'm like, I'm not trying to be clickbait. I'm not trying to do some viral video, but I'm like, I got to ask the question.
0: I mean, yeah, because we want to know the answer. And it's as simple as that. It's interesting. We want to know the answer. We want to know what's going on.
1: I mean, it's like if I got pitched a Julian Marquez inter- interview interview, I, my before we even book a time I gotta say guys you know I gotta ask the question right yeah because if yeah. I don't I just come off as an extension of Julian Marquez's PR team like I'm not gonna paint him down a road I'm not gonna make it the whole interview but I at least gotta say hey man what we'll when your decision
0: yeah yeah it's uh, it, It's the questions that have to be asked because we want to know the answers. Mm-hmm. And as we speak, the story's been going on for a very long time. I mean, it's been going on ever since Miles Johns had his fight. That's when this story first started. And uh, I'm not happy with the amount of info we know now. I just am not. And I really hope somebody breaks this story. It, because it, I, I want to dig into it. I want to know what happened. It's an important story. Uh, For this sport, sports gambling is such a massive component of this sport. If there was fight fixing involved in the grandest stage of this sport, that's incredibly relevant information to the public.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, you think about no matter whether we're watching MMA, we're watching NFL, NBA, NHL, you know, how many advertisements do you see for various sports books? Like, I'll tell oh. you, I'm in, I'm in Arizona last weekend and I'm on, I'm on the Twitter app, by the way, your boy's got that blue check Mark now. And I can't tell you how many promoted ads I got for the Barstool sports, book, sports book, because I was in Arizona.
0: Dude, I was in my, um, I was, it was Christmas, Christmas Eve. Uh, I was in a Catholic mass. It was my, it was my yearly attendance in church and, uh, the, uh, the priest, um, after after his sermon, said that uh, if you use promo code Pope Francis, you get fifteen dollars on the DraftKings um, Cardinal lineup. You can pick uh, which Cardinals across the country are most likely to become the next Pope.
1: <laughs> Obviously, you're effing with us right now. Clearly, you're effing. But if that was if, if that truly <laughs> happened, you miss a great opportunity for a viral clip, bro. Uh, yeah
0: no it it didn't happen but i still had to put my 15 dollars in the offering bin but you know here you know here we go but uh, yeah you know church was nice but uh yeah that's like the one place where you won't find a a gambling ad is is if you go to church
1: i don't know man i don't know there might be someone in there taking some action on something (laughs) that's
0: true there's a lot of downtime when you're waiting for church to start because you want to you want to you got to show up like an hour early to get a good seat for Christmas Mass. It's a, it's a much bigger turnout, right? Because usually the church is probably like a UFC Apex show, but uh the Christmas holiday, that that's like a UFC pay-per-view when it comes to attendance.
1: Been a long time since I've been to a church. I'm just I'm just being honest. has been you know, a long I, time.
0: It's it's a yearly tradition for me because you know big big part of my grandmother's life uh, going to church and um yeah it's always the same comment every year. It, the 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 priest makes a comment about how there's much more people
1: than usual. <laughs> <laughs> He's but, not uh, yeah. wrong. Yeah. By the way, there there's no good transition to make to our next subject because mm-hmm. that is on what was it Saturday? I want to say the news came out. I remember I saw it. Um, well. As I was walking to a bar, <laughs> I see the, I'm scrolling through Twitter and I, and I see the UFC tweet that Stefan Bonner has passed away and uh, allegedly uh, believed to be passing away due to a heart complications, only 45 years old. And, you know, Stefan Bonner, you know, here's some of the, the notes that I wrote about Stefan Bonner and, and talking about his legacy in, in terms of being a mixed martial artist. He's a pioneer of this sport, pioneer of, because, without Stefan Bonner versus Forrest Griffin one, who knows if we're even here talking? We may not be here talking to each other. We may not have drew a connection because of our love for MMA. And the other thing I wrote about Stefan Bonner is that MMA owes a debt of gratitude to him and also to Forrest Griffin. And also, I think, you know, Lorenzo Fertitta and Spike TV, because without all those people, Who knows whether we're here right now or not? Yeah,
0: it's hard to, and I think as time goes on, the importance of this fight is going to get lost on people because as people begin to get more distance, I don't think people will really realize the spot the sport was in before Forrest and Bonner went toe-to-toe in the Ultimate Fighter Season 1 finale. It was very much our make or break moment. The Ultimate Fighter reality show was it was it was like one last swing at the home at the at the plate, and they hit a grand slam home run with that fight. People tuned into that fight. It showed that this was a viable thing, and it's just it's hard to overstate how important that fight was. Simply put, Stefan Bonner was a part of the most important fight in the history of this sport, and that will never be topped. The reason being is that fight essentially saved this sport and gave this sport new life and allowed it to exist as we speak today. And also, it was one hell of a fight. It's one of the best fights of all time. And uh, yeah, that's the first part when you start looking into the legacy of Stefan Bonner. And and again, it's, it's literally heartbreaking that we're talking about a 45 year old you know so freaking young uh he was I believe, working his job as you mentioned and uh it just sucks you know we lost two people in particular that i can think of right now way too young when you think of him and anthony johnson and i think that's probably going to be one of the things that sticks with me as i reflect back on this year of mixed martial arts is losing both of those guys
1: yeah i mean you think about it and i saw this number he only had fifteen UFC fights. I would have thought that number would have been greater than what it was. And of course, the last time we saw him in mixed martial arts competition was in Bellator in twenty fourteen when he lost a split decision against uh, Tito Ortiz. But I, I just remember I was I was like, man, fifteen fights. I just I would have thought that number would have been much greater than what it truly was.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I think a big reason why maybe is well, he didn't fight in two thousand eight. And then essentially after 2006, he was basically at most fighting twice a year. So that is a surprising number, but it's also another deal where a lot of those guys on the first season of The Ultimate Fighter went into the show without a major record. Granted, Stefan did go in 7-1. and one. But yeah, it's um, when you look at his UFC career, it is surprising how few fights there are. Uh, I think the most notable thing is that he really ended up squaring off against some of the legends of this sport. You know, he had the rematch of Forrest. Uh, he fought John Jones, and he kind of served as the first. I'm going to double-check my facts here. But I believe, yeah, Bonner really s- served as the first notable win for Jones in the UFC. Before Bonner, uh, Jones did have one fight, but it was Andre Guzm, who was just much less of a name than Bonner. Uh, he took Jones to a decision, though. He was a part of that UFC 100 card with Mark Coleman, another legend. Obviously fought Tito and Bellator. And then Anderson Silva, UFC 153. I mean, those are some significant names uh, that he fought. I think it's probably his best win in his career. It's probably going to be over James Irvin at UFC Fight Night 3 or, or Keith Jardine at UFC Fight Night 4. But for Stefan... Uh, He was, during his UFC run, he had a very good personality. He was someone that I think people could gravitate towards as the American psycho. Towards the end of his life, there were quite a few negative news stories that that were sad. Um, But I really would like to think about the feelings he gave me as a fight fan watching his career unfold and going back and, and watching that first fight with Forrest.
1: Don't tell Sean Strickland that.
0: Yeah, I did see Sean, and, and I will say his message obviously was Sean Strickland-y, which is very. I, I've
1: um, got the quote if you want it. You go for it. This is this is Sean Strickland. <clears throat> this was in a uh, a video post that he put up on Twitter. He goes, quote, Stefan Bonner just died. And like my Instagram feed, Google is like flooded with like pictures of like people. Hey, this is me and Stefan Bonner training. We're buddies. Like we used to hang out back in day. Like I'm going to post a picture about him and get double tap likes. But like, man, the Stefan Bonner I knew was effing nuts. He was addicted to opioids. He got arrested, He got kicked out of a hospital because he wouldn't give him opioids. His gym went under during COVID. And you know me, I'm an a-hole like an a-hole. I'm not going to post a picture and say, rest in peace. I'm a a-hole, but you effing people that like, after he died, you post picture of him after he died in support of all this, like this man was losing his S where were you? And I'm not saying you had to be there for him, but you weren't there for him. Then don't be there for him now because he just didn't need it.
0: Yeah. Um, This is the part of the story that I think pisses me off the most. It's not what Strickland said. It's like the coverage I see here on Bloody Elbow. The headline is Strickland blasts MMA Community for Tributes to Stephen Bonner. And the co-headline is Sean Strickland wasn't too pleased about seeing tributes to UFC Hall of Famer Stephen Bonner, who recently passed away. So I know you're not supposed to give away everything in the headline or, or whatever, but When I read those two things, it really paints a different picture than what I think Sean intended with that message. I think Mm -hmm. what Sean intended with that message is he hates that he sees all these people uh, talk about Stefan in this way when they weren't there for him when maybe he needed them. And that's a very real perspective that I think a lot of people can agree with. But you look at the way it's portrayed on on Bloody Elbow right there, and it's just like it's such a clickbait headline that affects maybe the way you think about the story, and maybe a lot of people don't even read it. Obviously, Sean isn't perfect, right? Like, to, to if if I were to if I were to pass away suddenly, I wouldn't want someone to bring up my addiction to op- opioids the day after. Right. That's not nice, and that's not kind. But his point about maybe. Maybe uh, being there for someone rather than waiting for them to no longer be there for when you're professing your love for them is a mistake. And it, and it comes across as um, you're just going for the social media clout. So, you know, Sean Strickland is very much like an abstract painting. OK, you can kind of interpret whatever you want from the madness that comes out of his mouth, but you can you can take things in, in stride.
1: Here's the way I take what Sean Strickland said, and and I have no idea how much Sean Strickland was around um, Stephen Bonner over the past couple of years, but that that almost seems like that's a post that says he had been around Stephen Bonner. And, And I think it's also of the analogy I say, let's give people roses while they're with us, not when they're no longer with us. And I think that's what this is about. I mean, and the sad part about, You know, when I I was searching Stefan Bonner stories on Google News and and thinking about some things that happened over the past couple years, I'll be honest with you, I forgot about the hospital incident. I forgot about the DUI. I forgot about his house burning down. And the sad part is, is that these pioneers of the sport were not able to see the financial reward that fighters are starting to see now.
0: I was gonna say the fighters now aren't seeing it either.
1: <laughs> I mean, but but much better than it was back then.
0: Yeah, you know? but it's, it's not like an NBA thing where like the dudes in the '90s are like oh, so th- jealous of the dudes now. Think we are still this. not at that point yet.
1: What if the PFL was around in like 2009, 2010? Could Stephen Bonner go on the PFL and won a million dollars
0: possibly you know he was yeah. fighting at a high level i mean he had some quality wins in the heavyweight division at the time in the ufc and uh yeah that that's real possible i mean you know with the with the uh the million dollars if he worked to win it i mean sure that would only get him like seven ufc pay-per-views but it would still be a lot of money
1: yeah i mean look it, it's it's one of these things of i would i would i would be interested to know what had kind of been going on with Stefan Bonner over the last year or so. And, and, and and is there more to that story? But to me, I think as a sport, we owe a ton of gratitude to this guy, you know, for what he was, he elevated this sport to the rise that it's currently on. Um, You know, so we'll see what happens there. By the way, I was all about coming in here and just ripping the crap out of Brave uh, Fighting Federation. Because it comes out earlier today that they've booked Bigfoot Silver versus Haim Gozali. But what we now have learned, is just a grappling match, which I was like, oh, thank God. Oh, thank God. But would it shock me if someone booked Bigfoot Silver for a fight? Hell to the no.
0: It's it's Haim. (laughs) a I like a like a lightweight,
1: right? A welterweight, no? He, yeah, he is a welterweight. Uh, his uh, most recent matchup was at middleweight. He's fought in bare knuckle. Um, so I pulled some of this stuff from the MMA junkie story. Uh, Bigfoot Silva has not won a fight since he defeated Soa Palelei at UFC One Hundred and Ninety in twenty fifteen. He's, he's competed 10 times since six in MMA, one kickboxing, one boxing, one bare knuckle boxing. He's lost all 10 of those fights via stoppage since, uh, in his last 13 combat sports competitions, he is one and 12. Yeah, man. Like someone hit me up on on Twitter about this and my kind of my initial response was kind of like, look. There's always going to be a promoter out there that looks at someone like a Bigfoot Silva and believes they can make money on him. But it's also one of these scenarios with Bigfoot Silva that I'm like, does anyone around him give a flying F about him?
0: No, the answer is no, but thank God it's a grappling match. And I hope he doesn't ever fight again. I will say kind of looking back at Bigfoot's resume, God darn that, uh, fight against Overeem was a massive upset, wasn't it, at UFC 156, where he knocked out Overeem. I'm just Mm -hmm. looking at it. He was a plus, like, 400 dog. And literally after that fight, Bigfoot didn't win again other than Soapolele. Wow. That is crazy, dude. But, yeah, um, Yeah. yeah, thank God it's a grappling match. I saw some people jump to conclusions, as we did earlier today. And thank God it's a grappling match. I'm – I'm all'm I'm, look grapple, that's fine. That's do it. No. that's that, that won't give you any um, issues with your with your brain uh, unless you I guess fall on your head from like a takedown attempt. but uh, other than that, that's totally okay. I don't know who's paying for that. I don't know who's interested in a, in a bigfoot silver grappling match, but uh, here we go. I hope he gets a nice payday.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know who's interested in that. I really don't. Um, but, you know, we're we're starting to wrap up the 2022 calendar year. Of course, uh, outside of the Bellator Horizon event, the MMA calendar is done uh, for this year. We'll talk about that Bellator Rising event here a little bit later on this show. But Daniel brought this topic to the table this week, which was simply fights that need to happen in 2023. Now, when you said this to me, my first thought was, fights I'd like to see happen and then I read your text I go oh no no he said fights that need to happen so I initially wrote down all these different matches so fights that need to happen screw it I'm just saying number one Chris Cyborg versus Kayla Harrison needs to happen
0: yeah yeah it needs to happen that was also on my list wants to happen also works for the category but yeah Kayla and Cyborg is number one I think there's two fights that are obvious that need to happen okay Kayla cyborg is obvious because we hit anytime we've spoken about Kayla or cyborg in the past two years, we've mentioned the other ones. name. <laughs> yeah. Also, sh- also shout out to Larissa Pachetko. Kayla versus Larissa four needs to happen too. But uh, Kayla versus cyborg does. The other big one, is, What what's the other big one you think?
1: Jones and Gano.
0: Yeah, that's it. Those are the two big ones. We need those needs to happen.
1: I uh, have, I, I have four, I have four other matchups. Okay. Go for it. Three, three are in the UFC. One's in Bellator. The one in Bellator. Do I really have to say it?
0: You uh, saying Pitbull and McKee?
1: Yeah, that's got the fight's got to happen. Even though I have a strange <laughs> feeling the fight doesn't happen. AJ McKee this week has come out and said that uh, if he gets into the lightweight Grand Prix, he believes his opening round matchup should be against Usman Nurmagomedov.
0: Wow, that would be awesome. That would be an awesome fight. If
1: he if he wins this week in japan i think there's a legitimate case to that
0: dude that's a great fight bro i would love to see that one that's not on my list but that would be on it
1: i have a few i don't know if we are going to be in agreements on three other matchups did you have okay. uh, did you have any bellator fights uh,
0: yeah. oh yeah i have like 13 i have way too many fights here oh good lord i know i basically i was going through each division and i was like i need to see this fight i need to see this fight okay this is honestly more of like I want to see this these two fights. Not okay. I need to, but Pico versus Pitbull. I want to see this fight at the end okay. of the year. All right, like I like I need to see it because that would be a phenomenal story if Pico finally works his way up to a featherweight championship fight towards the end of the year. That would be a great okay. fight that I need to see. And then the other one in Bellator involves Uzmon, but it's against Tufik Masai. Love I think it, love it. I I need to see him get a a, um, a championship fight based on his skill level.
1: I love that fight matchup. I love I love that. I okay, mean, to me, it's a, it's a fight. Sorry, it's not on my list because it's already been a fight that's made. That I can't wait to see, and that is Brennan War versus Bajamasi. I think that's just going to be straight up banger written all over it. So I've got three UFC matchup, two are title matchups, one is not. The one that is not is involves someone that's been in the headlines this week about he just can't get a fight booked. Give me Hamza Shemaya versus Colby Covington.
0: Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one for Shemaya. I I I'd mess with that. around with that one. That's a that's a good pick.
1: Did you uh, have a Shemaya
0: fight? I did, but it was versus versus. Um, this is this is more towards the end of the year. Well, it goes hand in hand. These are two fights that need to happen. I think Alex needs to take on Izzy again.
1: That and, was one of my. That was one of mine. And then
0: I think the winner of that fight should take on Shemaev. I think I, when we talk about the word need, I think Hamzat needs to fight at 185. Uh, the thing about Hamzat, and here's here's what makes your Colby fight interesting. Is Colby has wrestling to counteract Chimaev's wrestling. So when I think of Hamaya versus uh, Alex or her Chimaev versus Adensanya, Sanya, I'm not super excited about it because like Chimaev might just be able to dominate wrestling wise, but Colby's an interesting fight because of that. But I ended up going to Chimaev versus Aden Sanya as a fight I need to see next year.
1: Yeah, Izzy Alex was one of uh, that was on my list. I was trying to find out i was pretty sure i saw this uh just speaking of, of colby covington because a lot of news has been uh yeah so you know, you know some of these police records are now coming out about this uh incident that yeah. allegedly jorge Mazadal, you know did uh you know two-piece in a soda on colby covington is that that'd be a good way to put it um so this was from um Jorge Masvidal questioned arresting officers if they could stop at a Burger King during transportation. New footage of his March arrest in Miami. That's, hilarious. that's Dude, hilarious. Like if you're the cop, like you have to start laughing, right? If you do pull over, who pays?
0: Are you like, hey, can I have your credit card, Masvidal? Or do you, I mean, who pays? Like that's is that taxpayer money? You know what's going
1: okay. on, and what do you order?
0: You order, you, uh, was it a
1: two piece? And what did he say? Two piece in a soda. Hey, that's what you order. That's what you order. Like there's a chance, Jorge Maswan might be fighting for the UFC welterweight title in uh, February, because you know they're going to they're going to London. Obviously, that would be for Mas for uh, Leon Edwards, uh, Usman. Um, uh, it's unclear whether he's going to be medically cleared to be able to fight by then.
0: So Masvidal would be the replacement. That would be crazy. I mean, because like, what was George, who? What was George's last fight? Who did he fight?
1: I'm pretty I sure. no What was I'm, it? Wasn't it uh, against um, Kamaru Usman?
0: Was it against Usman? Was it that? Let me look. He fought Covington. Oh, duh. Oh yeah, he, yeah. Dude, he's lost three in a row. He
1: can't get that. Fight bro he can't get that fight Are okay all right you're Leon Edwards that's what you want that, that's if you're not getting a, if you're not giving a rematch to Usman then it's like who 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 would you and you want to be on that card in London to me it's no from a financial aspect to me that, that would be the matchup you'd be calling for
0: well honestly the fight to make in my opinion Would be Leon versus Chimaev. That is the fight I would make if I can't make Usman.
1: I would. So the other fight that's on my list here, I'm going to a trilogy matchup. Okay. Amanda Nunez versus Valentina Shevchenko.
0: Yeah, that's also on my list.
1: Sorry, uh, Juliana Pena. Don't hate me. (laughs) Don't hate me.
0: Yeah, I mean, dude, straight up, that re- like, Valentina has continued to prove ever since they last fought. And if you're doing a list of the best female fighters of all time, in my opinion, there is no contest. One and two is Nunia Shipchenko. You know, it's like an opportunity to see Jordan go up against LeBron. Uh, le- let's get it. I, I dig it. Um, on my list, when I look at championship fights, one, if we're sticking with the women. Uh, Zhang versus Weili Zhang versus Amanda Lemosh is a fight that I think okay. needs to happen eventually. Right. Lamosh and Zhang both are very fun strikers to watch. Um, Lamosh hits really effing hard. Zhang is one of the most fun fighters to use. He has, that's just a fun championship fight. Okay, these are open ended. Um, uh-huh. And these two guys are in similar categories. It's just this Marlon Vera and Arnold Allen, not in a tag team match, but together. Versus a champion, both those guys to me deserve a championship opportunity in the upcoming year. Obviously, for Marlin, it's or or for uh, for for Allen, excuse me, he's gonna have to wait. Volk is taking on Islam, yeah. but uh, both those guys are incredibly talented. I think they deserve championship opportunities next year.
1: Oh, che- Cheeto's got his matchup in February against Corey Sanhagen. You got to imagine gets a win there. You would have to think that. You know, if they're going to do Sterling and Cejudo, you would think he would get the winner of that matchup. Arnold Allen, you know, he's coming off, unfortunately, just kind of the way the it happened with that win over Calvin Cater, even though he was looking great in that matchup. I, I feel like if you're Arnold Allen, you kind of need to get that, like, number one type contender fight, you know, whether it's a, a Brian Ortega, a Yair Rodriguez, Max Holloway. That, to me, kind of seems that, w- that would make the most sense for Arnold Allen.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I just think towards the end of the year, these two guys deserve a championship opportunity. Um, look, I'm gonna throw some love to the PFL. I'm like, let me get to, give you one PFL fight that doesn't involve Kayla. And I think the easiest one is Burgos, Shane Burgos versus Brandon Lognan. I think um, like Burgos is the most interesting feather, uh, most interesting signing they've had over the past year. Let's match him up with the best guy in the weight class, the, the reigning champion. I think. Um, in the ufc just to rattle off what i have left these are just fun fights Kay. i don't need to see them but fun fights matthias nicolau versus kai care of france at flyweight Kay. giga chikadze versus Ilya taporia Ooh, i love, love
1: that i love that fight that, that's that would be a great one to watch
0: and then lastly for me fazee versus gaichi and then yeah. my last one this fight i need to see non-ma Jake Paul and Nate Diaz. There we go. There, there's my list. It was a bigger dude, list than I
1: thought. Dude, I was uh, I was going down my face. I think it was my Facebook timeline yesterday. I saw a Jake Paul video on my feed. Did you happen to see him um, throwing punches in a kitchen?
0: No, I didn't see this. I don't, I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't even know what you're talking about. What is it?
1: He was punching a dildo.
0: Really? He was fighting Dylan Dennis. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) I'm just kidding.
1: By the way, also speaking about things I saw on my my Facebook timeline, it was what was the biggest MMA story in 2022? Number two was the MMA betting scandal, which I would put number one, but they Mm -hmm. put number one. Cain Velasquez charged with attempted murder.
0: You know what? It depends. It was definitely the biggest story that got the most national attention. It's the it's the one story that my co-workers who won it, is a minor MMA fan, mm-hmm. like super minor. Like but he's just a big sports fan, uh they knew about this story. This story was on Good Morning America. So this this was a story that had a national attention. The Kane story. Is he? He's still he's still out, right? He's still out on bail. Correct. Yes. In, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. He wrestled in uh, Mexico.
0: Mexico, I want to say.
1: Was it Mexico or Arizona? Maybe maybe Tijuana.
0: Maybe Tijuana. That sounds about right.
1: Because I remember yeah. reading. If I remember reading the story, if I recall it correct, I believe his he had to go there with, I don't know, a probation officer or some type of officer, and so he was allowed to take his ankle monitor off as he performed, but then obviously once he came back, he put his ankle water back on. I know I saw someone had a story. Where they did an interview with Kane. And he kind of talked about it. Um, I think my perspective on that story is different because of talking to an actual lawyer who uh, <laughs> uh, Frankie said to me when I, I was like, Oh yeah, you know, Kane's out on bail. And he was like, really? He goes, they got him out on bail on that. And And Frankie's had the point of, he's like, look, he's doing jail time folks. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, like you know, they have bullets matching his guns in someone else's car. I I not yeah. I, I I've told people this. Like, I understand the free cane movement, and look, I don't have any kids, but if someone did that to my niece or nephew, I'd probably do the same damn thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's, and that's
1: but it's I try to look at that story from a legal aspect, not a an emotional aspect. I don't know how he, in particularly, I don't know how he beats the gun charges.
0: Well, look, man, I hope he beats it. I hope he does. I mean, have OJ beat those charges? Anyone can beat any charges. If Casey Anthony got out of that craziness, then anyone can beat charges in this country. I hope Kane beats those charges. But you are right in terms of like the evidence is really clear. And it was just a bad situation, legally speaking. But I'm hoping that the MMA gods and the real gods, you know, bless Kane. And he somehow does beat those charges. But you're the one who actually started to Dude, you no,
1: know, I would love to be there for jury duty. And like, yeah. how hard is it going to be for them to pick a jury?
0: Yeah, because the court of public opinion is overwhelmingly, I believe, in support of Velasquez you know, obviously if you see someone in an affliction shirt, you're probably going to have to cast them Dude, dude
1: If you, like, if you knew jury selection was going on and you lived there in, in San Jose and you know that you're, that the jury selection is that day, you got a summons. Do you just show up with like some MMA t-shirt just so you don't get on the jury?
0: Yeah, that's a good call. Uh, yeah, uh, totally. Yes. I, I think that's a great call. Um, and that's what I would do because no one wants to be a part of a jury. But, you know, in a jury, they could absolutely make a case and and um, win over the jury. You know, that's a real possibility that the court of public opinion kind of supersedes the factual evidence of, of what went wrong. And this is the type of story where maybe that works, because when you talk about putting yourself in Kane's shoes, everyone can relate to reacting that way, when you hear something happen to a family member,
1: if you're Scott Coker, do you try to get Cain Velasquez there at the February 4th show in LA?
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely you do. But if I'm Cain, oh, Kane-
1: oh god, i John. if if Cain Velasquez is in our UFC contract, oh Bellator, you want to get a massive rating? Book Cain Velasquez a fight.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I think he has to be under UFC contract, though. He he probably is. Yeah, because I think to let they let him wrestle, but they still maintain. And then obviously he's like a George St Pierre thing, where maybe it expires at some point. But I'm pretty sure he's still under UFC contract.
1: Oh God, damn! Could you? Oh, I I just got I. It just came to me. Just came to me. Bader doesn't make it a fight night. Yeah. Yeah. Kane versus Fedor.
0: Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a fun fight. That's a really fun fight. Although what,
1: what type of viewership could you score for that?
0: I think it would be significant. I think it absolutely would. And it would probably get, you know, people are aware of the Velasquez story Mm -hmm. of the arrest. So yeah, that would, uh, that would be one hell of a fight.
1: Yeah, don't think it. Don't see it happen. Do do not see uh, it happen there. Uh, let's move over to a true false for this week and last week. The news comes out that ESPN Plus is raising the cost of UFC pay per views in twenty twenty three. I talked about it on Sunday's podcast. Uh, I'm just looking at. I'm looking at it from a consumer aspect where it's just like crap. Damn it, sob like whatever term you want to say. No, no one likes when there's something that we get and the price goes up, but Daniel's true false this week was the UFC pay-per-view remains the same price at, by the end of the year, I'm going to change your question a little bit here, Daniel, to yeah. say the UFC pay-per-view price that goes into effect here in January of 2023. Will that be the same price point in January, 2024? And my answer is Hell to the no. Hell no. ES- ESPN has proved that every year they raise the cost $5. And the reality is we are getting very close to a hundred dollar UFC pay-per-view.
0: Yeah. The answer is hell no. They, they keep on nickel and diming us. Oh, They're not nickel and diming us. They're $5 in us every, every year. It's annoying. The cost is, is going up way too much. It's still not at a breaking point. I guess the more interesting question is when do you think the price point will become ninety nine ninety nine? When do you think that'll happen? What year?
1: We'll start doing the math of five year of going up for you know twenty twenty four. So that means we're up to eighty four ninety nine. Twenty twenty five means we're at eight. So what twenty twenty seven?
0: So let's see, let's see. By twenty twenty seven, will it be at ninety nine ninety nine, or will it happen next freaking year?
1: It won't happen next year. I'm trying to I'm trying to find um. So back in twenty nineteen when the pay per views moved the ESPN plus. So we're talking three years ago, Daniel. It uh-huh. was fifty nine ninety nine. We've gone up twenty dollars within th- four years.
0: That's wild. It's depressing to think about. And I think that's a little higher than the rate okay. of inflation.
1: Are you, you ready to get a little depressed? Okay. The estimated cost to be a UFC fan in 2023 saying you bought every UFC pay-per-view and you had a yearly subscription to ESPN plus. So UFC traditionally does 13 pay-per-views in a calendar year. If you bought all 13 pay-per-views, $1,039.87. Jesus. Now ESPN plus, which I still think is a bargain for the amount of content you're getting. Nine 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 for the year,
0: dude. For like a lot of people in this country, that is literally like um, what is one fortieth? Uh, that's like probably one fiftieth is two percent. So I don't know. It's probably like four percent of some people's yearly income. You know, for people even like myself who are lower middle class on the wage earning, when you're looking at anywhere from fifteen to twenty dollars an hour. On a forty dollar, forty hour work week, you're talking about right off the top four percent of my income is going to being a mixed martial arts fan.
1: It, you look, it is, it is a high cost to be an MMA fan. I mean, there, there's no question about it. Let me just let me throw something at you. Let's yeah. just say you happen to know someone who does marketing for her, a restaurant and bar. You might be looking at them. What if? for January's 20th pay-per-view. The caption is don't want to pay that additional $5 that ESPN is charging. Come watch it here for free.
0: <laughs> this is not a bad campaign, sir. It's not a bad campaign. And I think, I think maybe in 2023, I will find myself doing that. I, I have a I
1: <laughs> I have a feeling if I go with that campaign, I'll get a phone call from the UFC. Uh, Business team.
0: Yeah, they probably won't be happy. They do, they,
1: it, do, they do not like when bars and restaurants market it as watch the fights here for free.
0: Yeah.
1: A couple of years ago, we got a call about that.
0: Damn, so they pay attention.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. But I'm just like, um, we have to pay a pretty sizable fee to show these. Uh, you know, if... You know, we gotta do what we gotta do to get people in to make this work.
0: Mm-hmm. We gotta get we gotta get people in the door, you know.
1: And it's it's not as easy as it once was to get people to come out for UFC pay per views. At least in terms of of the businesses I'm a part in, you know, it's it's just you know, I think sometimes you, I mean, like look last pay per view, you really you you were essentially promoting the UFC brand. You really weren't promoting. Fighters that were on the car because a lot of those fighters just didn't have name value to the casual sports fan. And that, that's why I've always said, like, I love going out to a sports bar to watch the UFC pay-per-view because I think it it gives you a different perspective on how people view the sport of mixed martial arts in comparison to what you may see in MMA Twitter.
0: Yeah. yep. I mean, when you think of that last pay-per-view The only thing that people really cared about was probably Patty Pimblett, And that fight versus Jared Gordon wasn't a marketable fight either. That was a pay-per-view that was hit by the injury bug. But, yeah, I I think being in that space gives you a realistic idea of of what people care about, right? You you talk to casual Mm -hmm. fans and, you know, all they can talk about is Bellator versus Ryzen.
1: I actually heard uh, there's at least one notable M- member of the MMA media taking the flight to Tokyo to cover this card.
0: That's awesome. That is <laughs> freaking awesome. I would love to do that. I'm jealous. You know how cool it, it is to make that trip and, and be there for a, a New Year's Eve event. Congrats yeah. to them.
1: I mean, look. W- the one thing that I kind of noticed in, in terms of, and I mentioned this last week on the podcast, that it did seem like to me being on that that um, that Zoom virtual media day with Coker and Sakibara. that at least the MMA media seems to be excited about this one. I, I think that the unfortunate part in terms of a North American, or I should say United States viewer that you're not going to be able to watch this thing in live. Um, I saw someone on Twitter kind of noting that maybe it's up to a 12 hour tape delay, which is like, come on, showtime. Like I, I get why they're doing this. I do from a a maximizing viewership aspect of it, but I'm just like, and then then I was also thinking of this. Let's say you are a MMA reporter, journalist, whatever. And let's say you live in another country and you can watch this for free, or maybe you're just so smart. You know how to use, utilize that VPN to, to work for your knowledge. Do you post the results before it airs on Showtime?
0: Uh, yes. Yes. If you are a journalist, you do post the results as they happen. Uh, it's a sport. I mean, it's as simple as that. You don't get, you don't care.
1: Do you, all right. Do you put a disclaimer on your Twitter at that point?
0: No, I
1: don't. Put a because I, I don't like, I don't know as a sports fan, MMA fan, how you would avoid knowing the results of the fight.
0: Yeah, you got to stay off social media, but you sh- you shouldn't be putting a disclaimer. This is a sport. It's happening live. This isn't a movie. This isn't a TV show. It's a different ballgame. And the thing is, there's a high probability of something significant happening here. Um, you know, I-, I dug into this card a little bit. Mm-hmm. And-, and and the first thing I'll say is I'm really glad this card's happening. Um, and it's something where my New Year's resolution is to do a better job of of covering this sport. Outside of UFC, Mm -hmm. Bellator, PFL, I'm going to try and spend more time paying attention to Ryzen and 1FC and and so many other promotions to get a more worldly aspect. Because I look at these top two fights and I dig into uh, Roberto Satoshi uh, D'Souza, who's taking on AJ McKee, and I dig into Kleber Kroicky, who's taking on Patricio Pitbull, and I see two really effing good fighters. These are two guys... In Kleber and Roberto, where I'm not going to be surprised if one of them pulls off the upset here, mm-hmm. and that's a significant news story if AJ or Patricio go in and lose here. So that's going to be on your timelines, and people are going to be aware of it.
1: Bellator has everything to lose in this one. <laughs> I mean, like, but I was even thinking about like AJ McKee has the most to lose out of any of these fighters
0: yes because you're talking about a, a guy who's close to free agency mm-hmm. and and that's significant um i think when i look at these matchups and i and i look at the and, and i gotta say ryzen does a great job of like post like you just google the guy's name roberto satoshi you just see every finish he ever had in, in Ryzen. that's it that's good stuff um i, I so with the with soza and Kroiki they're both very similar in that they are really really talented and dangerous and aggressive grapplers. They have strong submission games, strong submission games, and there's a realistic possibility that they both are able to lock on submissions to end the fight. I think when I, from what I've seen, I've been more impressed with Quiquy's stand up than Roberto's. I think Roberto showcases power but that's a big gap between his standup and AJ's stand-up. So I think if AJ uh, keeps it on the feet and is, and is um, throwing heavy volume, he's going to win this mm-hmm. fight. When I look at the takedowns of, of Satoshi here, that initial shot to me is hardly ever successful. But this dude has success in scrambles. He shoots and he kind of turns around. So it's interesting, man. It, both both these guys could, could get upset here. I, I don't know which one will, if or if they both will prevail. But very similar matchups. I, I like the stand up of Koike more than Satoshis.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, it's uh, for Ryzen. This is I don't know. I don't, I don't think game changing moments the right way to put it, but this is a way to put their fighters on the map. If, if they can, let's say they take three of these five. I mean, let's just say. One of either Roberto D'Souza or, or Kleber goes out there and gets the win, and then two of the other, you know, opponents earlier on win. That's it's a massive win for Ryzen if they can pull this off. And kudos to Bellator for saying, you know, we're sending the best of the best over there to take on Ryzen. I, I think kudos goes a lot to Scott Coker and, and Saki Ibarra for putting this one together because this is just something we don't see in mixed martial arts.
0: Yeah, man. Yeah, it, it's it's exciting. I, I will say um 100% John Dotson's going to beat um Hideo Tokoro. That one's going to happen. Like uh Tokoro is just uh yeah. He he's just he he's just way past his prime. Dodson isn't is a uh, is Horaguchi representing Bellator?
1: He is representing Bellator. Yes. Oh,
0: that's do uh, You see that one doesn't even count. Like that that that's Ryzen versus Ryzen. okay? Uh, but but yeah, I, I guess, think
1: yeah, but I think Horiguchi at this point is more known as a Beltor fighter than he is a Horizon fighter.
0: I guess so, I guess so. But uh, he's he's probably going to win that one, and then so really, I mean, yeah. So I, I think Bellator is probably going to win, but that would be such a story if both McKee and Pitbull get tapped. But uh, when I'm locking in my picks, I will say I'm going to tell you what I'm going to go. McKee beats Souza, and Kleber upsets Patricio. That's going to oh. be my. That's going to be my picks. Um, also, I will say this much: two things. One, Juan Archuleta and Su, Su Chul Kim is the uh, could be the fight of the night. Kim is very exciting, um, and, and uh, he, he's been around a while. Also, this dude uh, that's taking on Horaguchi, uh, I didn't realize this, but he was a part of the Ultimate Fighter Tournament of Champions, and then he went to the semifinals uh, against Tim Elliott. Uh, so he has a pretty impressive resume. Um, but also I'm going to point this out. I hope, I don't know if this is like, that's because there's going to be a late replacement. The guy's going to know, or if it's truly a mystery opponent, but if it's actually a mystery opponent, this is the greatest concept I've ever heard in the rising undercard. I think it might be a kickboxing match. This dude named Ren Hiromoto is taking it on fighter X. So this could be a great concept that I would like to see in the UOC, where a guy has a fight announced, but he doesn't know who he's fighting. Until the guy comes out like it's professional wrestling, and if that's what's happening here, I'm all for it. Like, how amazing would that be, bro? If you're watching a UFC main card, and obviously if James Cross is aware, he's going to figure out who X is and get his bet in. But how amazing is it that it's literally out of pro wrestling that we have a mystery opponent on this card?
1: Yeah, that's yeah, that's it. That's definitely out of pro wrestling. Uh, <laughs> by by the way, I will tell you, being here in Tampa, um, watching NFL on Saturday. Apparently, we got a big wrestling show in Tampa on Friday night.
0: Uh, on this Friday night?
1: Yeah, SmackDown's here in Tampa.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Who's it? John Cena's going to wrestle. Good now.
1: Lord. There was more promotion than that than any uh, sports betting website. What,
0: what arena are they? Uh, is it the Am-
1: basketball arena? Uh, hockey arena, Emily Arena.
0: Yeah, yeah. They got John Cena returning in a tag match. So hey,
1: that's worth a watch, man. Yeah, well, Cena. Cena yeah, there. Cena lives here.
0: John Cena lives in Tampa.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's lived in Tampa for a long time.
0: Oh, wow, that's a, I almost feel like you're living like LA, bro.
1: I, I back in the day, I had a buddy who, uh, who was a bartender up in the area where Cena lives, or at least did live. I think he maybe he may have got place somewhere else now, but uh, and he and this was like, I mean, kind of right as yeah, you know, he became like that big deal. And they said he would just come there and have drinks, and like he would literally start shooting promos on people just sitting in the bar.
0: Wow, that is awesome! That is awesome. I can't imagine. Doing I
1: I, I remember, and look, I haven't attended a WWE live show. Uh, actually, I attended one this year. For that, been a while, but I remember uh, seeing John Cena when he was a heel back, way back in the day, and the crowds chanting how he sucks. He goes, I may suck, but y'all swallow. I was like, damn. I was like, yes. oh, Not so kid friendly. This is
0: not PG, WWE. <laughs> no, no. It's a, it's a house show. You know, anything goes. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he you know, it's a good opportunity. He's, he's lost some weight. But, hey, you know, those WWE guys are doing good. Like, I was just watching a, a Netflix movie that came out called glass onion is the sequel to knives out and dave batista's in that one so he's he's good in that one but uh yeah you know (laughs) these are going good Uh, speaking of movies uh, i saw that avatar too bro and look that movie's long as hell i mean that movie is long as hell it's like three hours and 20 minutes or 15 minutes but it is worth watching it is like one of those things where you watch it Mm -hmm. with the 3d glasses and you're just like the whole time you're just thinking this costs a crap load of money. Yeah, This costs a crap load of money. I,
1: I want to hit you with some MMA headlines before we get out okay. of Okay, okay, okay. So, you know, I'm, o- I'm over at the, the MMA Reddit. Yeah. UFC News. Derek okay. Brunson walks back retirement once busy 2023 run. You don't say a fighter walks back retirement talk. Dude,
0: somebody retired and I didn't even realize it and they just fought. I can't even I don't even know who the hell I'm talking about. Uh I think it was it the last UFC card. There was like some random dude who re- like apparently retired and I had no idea. Do you know who I'm talking about? I guess I could be talking about any person who's ever fought ever.
1: On the but very like, last UFC show?
0: I feel like it was like the very last UFC show this dude fought and and part of the talk was like he he had retired. Uh, but I completely didn't realize that he would retired. Well, I know. I don't know. I like. I don't know if I'm thinking about Jimmy Flick or somebody else.
1: Well, Jimmy Flick had retired, but he's coming back in January.
0: Yeah, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Also, there's I, a dude on the ONE FC card who retired and came back. I think it's the. I think it's the, the Tournament of Champions guy.
1: Yeah, never believe retirements in MMA. Yeah, never believe it. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Eblin, Anatoly Tokov is now the co-main event of Bellator 290. Nimkov versus Romero has canceled Bellator, uh, put that one out today. Uh, let's, let's see if there's some other ones that, uh, throw it out there. Uh, nothing really too much else. Uh, um, really talked about, um, Sean Brady, Michelle Paheya booked for the San Antonio fight night card. That's kind of a, a weird fight booking. Because when I think Sean Brady, I think grappling. When I think Michelle Pahay, I think of uh Capoeira.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I want to see a Pereira take on strikers.
1: Uh yeah, no, I'm with you. Um but yeah, that's pretty much all the major headlines um uh, that's out there.
0: Yeah, uh you know, uh, it uh, we got a, a you know, a, it was basically the it was a sad week in our sport um, but hopefully next week, you know, we have a good Bellator vs. Rising event and you know, we get some good stories out there. But yeah, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it and, and we'll see how noteworthy this event is. If AJ and Patricio come out, knock dudes out, it's not gonna be too noteworthy. If one of them gets upset. We got a story on our hands. We got something to talk about.
1: Hmm. So are you a big New Year's Eve guy?
0: Um, not really, I'm not. Hmm. But, um,
1: back, back in when I was in my radio days, we always had like club gigs on New Year's Eve. I used to call it amateur night because uh, people who never come out come out on New Year's Eve and uh, usually consume way too much.
0: Well, look, over the past year, I've been very dedicated to going to the gym. haven't had much progress, but I've been going almost every day, and uh, it's going to be amateur night after two at the gym.
1: Um, oh yeah oh yeah That, that that new year's resolution get the gym membership on january 1st oh yeah oh we know how that goes
0: yeah so that's gonna be great it's gonna have no 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 room but hey you know what i hope the people that make that resolution and go to the gym stick to it and they feel better but i will say i've been working out all year long i don't feel in much better shape so maybe you shouldn't do it maybe you should just stick to drinking beer it's great
1: yeah, I'll be I'll be drinking some beer on Thursday night. I'll be over at the uh, the Cheez It Bowl for say Oklahoma. Going over there with some people. Uh, one of my buddies, Mike, he's going with me, and uh, he's a he's an Oklahoma fan, and he's going to the game with five FSU fans.
0: He's probably gonna either have a great night or an awful night. It's gonna depend I, on that I, scoreboard.
1: I hope he has an awful night.
0: Yeah, I think he might. But I think but, he might.
1: but Mike, I know Mike listens to the pod. Mike, we will certainly, certainly partake.
0: Yeah, it's either going to be drinking for sorrows or cheers.
1: My question is, could you are, are you going to be able to buy a bag of Cheez-Its at a concession stand?
0: I doubt it. I really doubt it. Like, I feel like that's way too much thought to go into concession stands. But if you could, well, that would also be an incredibly expensive bag of Cheez-Its that you would have oh, yeah. Oh yeah. You would immediately regret. Like, as soon as you bought it, you'd be like, I just spent $8 on this, and it's just Jesus. its This would suck. But, yeah, I think, you know, the cheez Bowl is one of the better bowls. I mean, just a great name. cheez are phenomenal. Uh, so many bowl names are so uninventive or, or so many of the sponsors are so boring. But, uh, yeah, Cheez-Its has a nice little bowl name.
1: Yeah, I've, I have not watched one bowl game yet.
0: I've had a lot of bowl games on, but I haven't retained any information. Like, I, it's been on in the background all the time. I couldn't tell you who won any of the games. Like, I just don't know. I believe earlier today I was watching Buffalo versus Georgia Southern, um, and I believe it was a close game. I believe it was a close game. I also vaguely remember watching Houston versus Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, but, again, I don't remember the results. I will say bowl season has never meant less than it has yeah, today. Yeah, I uh... – I mean,
1: I saw I was maybe me I saw on TikTok it was one of the the barstool shows and they kind of know that and I was like, damn man you're right it does feel like bowl season really just does not matter much anymore outside of, I mean obviously on, on Saturday I'll be watching both those uh, the the college football um, semifinal games, I mean I'll be watching those games but uh, but yeah in terms of other bowl games like,
0: eh. yeah no it just they it don't matter. And I used to get really excited about bowl season, especially in high school and in college. Uh, it'd be exciting, but especially since A and M isn't involved, I don't care.
1: It's been, uh, it's, been but, it's, it's been, it's you know, A and M, you know, not quite like a rough year like James Krause, but it's been a rough year.
0: Yeah, they, it hasn't been as bad, but you know, uh, I, I will say, um, did you see that story about the UTEP coach and the Pittsburgh players? Nice heartwarming story. Well, there was a a big freeze everywhere. You know, flights were canceled. Anyways, uh, Pitt is playing in the El Paso bowl game. And um, a UTEP basketball coach was trying to get back home to El Paso, and the flights were canceled. And he saw three Pitt players, basketball players uh, with Pitt stuff. And so the – I'm sorry, football players. Three football players, but the UTEP basketball coach saw him, talked to him, and he got a rental car him and his family and the three pit players drove all the way from like Pittsburgh to El Paso.
1: Dude, did nice you yeah, yeah. Like, did you see the Buffalo bills players trying to get their cars out of Buffalo? No, I heard it car- was crazy. Oh yeah. There's like one, they show the car going away and it's got like three feet of snow on top of it.
0: Oh, oh my God. That's so crazy. And I'm yeah. over
1: here in Florida. It's 50 degrees outside, 40 degrees outside. I'm like cold weather. Go away. I yeah, don't want. We, you, I don't want you.
0: We have no right to complain. Like I was reading about it, it's really bad. Like literally, oh god, I don't know if it was twenty five or twenty eight, but that many people died in uh, New York from the freeze. <sighs> wow. it, it, it's crazy bad. So yeah, we are in no place to complain. The amount of snow um, in blizzard like conditions that the people went through in the New York uh, over the past uh, weekend. Ooh, we have no right to complain. This but is why, I,
1: this is why I live in Florida. Like so yeah. someone asked me today, like, oh, you wouldn't live, live up North. I go, bro, I won't survive.
0: No, me neither, bro. Me neither. Like, I'm not sure your
1: order. body, I'm sure your body gets used to it, but like, I'm not trying to shovel snow to get out of my driveway. Yeah. I'm not about that life. Why, why do you think all these people are coming to Florida? Well. Because we're open. <laughs> I guess that's part of it. But yeah, man, I, I see that. I just go, I'll never forget the first time I saw snow was in Detroit, Michigan. It was when the Steelers won the Super Bowl up there. I'm leaving town. I'm in a cab. Uber was not a thing back then. And it's snowing, and this dude is just flying down the interstate. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to die. <laughs> I'm going to die, but yeah. then I was. But then I was like, "This is probably what a northerner views when they come to Florida and it's a thunderstorm, and we're just driving through it like it's nothing."
0: Yeah, yeah, we're all we all are acclimated to our own insane weather. Yeah,
1: yeah. I re- I remember when uh, Super Bowl was in Dallas. I want to say this was the year the Packers beat the Steelers. I want to say, mm-hmm. and uh, we get there on the Sunday before. And it is ice on the road. And from my hotel room, I could see the interstate and you could see cars sliding down the interstate. I'm like, yeah. that's a bad feeling. That's a bad feeling.
0: Yeah, that can't even I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine that Uh, you have no control over your like 3000 your your machine. Scary stuff. Scary mm. stuff.
1: I think everyone's probably at some point had the had that panic of why is my car not breaking? Why is my car yeah. not breaking?
0: <laughs> yeah, either that or if it's rain and you're in your hydroplaning, that's one of the most terrifying feelings ever. Oh, it's just it doesn't. It's awful.
1: I remember driving um, the Gandhi Bridge, which is a bridge that can is one of the bridges that connects uh, Tampa and Saint Petersburg together. And I'm driving, and this car literally does a three sixty because they lost control. Well, man, that was a scary moment. Yeah. As I'm like, th- I'm like three car links behind it. I'm like, oh sh- crap! Oh, I almost said the word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah try, man, try, try not to cuss of this show. It almost came out. <laughs> yeah, trying to show a little more
0: discipline than all shots, Strickland.
1: <laughs> oh man, yeah. I, I just that was that was one of those moments of the car. I was like, oh my god.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It shows you, man, how how life can just leave you in an instant. You're just driving and the person in front of you has something happen, not even you, and you could be in a bad way. It's just I uh, always got to be vigilant, but even that's not enough.
1: Yeah, when I was driving home today, I'm like coming down the road, and there's a car, I'm like, hey, are they going to get in their own lane? Like, oh, coming God. at me, and like, they're like halfway in the middle of the road, and I'm like, hey, man, can you not see those dotted lines?
0: Yeah, yeah, well, they probably can't because they're on their damn phone, but you know. That's very true. So,
1: yeah. I mean, I- that's very true.
0: Yeah. Eyes on the road, people.
1: Yeah. My, my wife yells at me when, uh, you know, I might look at my phone while driving.
0: Yeah. If anyone says they don't, they're lying. They're full Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, you are a goddamn liar. If you say you've never looked at your phone while driving. Yeah. I don't yeah. care who you are. If you say you've never done that, you're a liar. 100%.
0: A hundred percent. I mean, you, you got you got to do it, lessen it, don't do it. But you are a liar. You are a totally liar. Yeah. It's like, I yeah.
1: I have a, have got that uh like MagSafe little thing that I put up there. Uh, more times than not because then I have the ways up there, so I kind of know to get around various traffic.
0: Mhm. Yeah, it's needed in a big city like that.
1: Oh God, especially like like when I drive over Orlando on Thursday morning. Yeah, do that because I know there's probably an accident somewhere in I four. Um. But yeah. Yeah, as Daniel says, Daddy Sodas will be in full effect on Thursday.
0: Let's get it, everyone. Be safe and have a lot of fun partaking.
1: I will be. Yeah, it, it, I'll be. I'll be in that Uber. You know, I will not partake Saturday night. I will. My ass will be sitting on my couch on Saturday. Ain't going anywhere. Yeah. I just got. I just got to make sure I got the. Uh, you know, the fridge uh, well stocked. Yeah, as, as you know, I, as, I drink my. I drink my last two beers the other night. So uh I got I gotta get stocked up.
0: Time to recruit some more soldiers.
1: Yes. And (laughs) I'll never forget this. My dad, he would always say, There's he goes, if there's only one beer left in the fridge, he goes, You can't leave a soldier behind, son. He goes, I don't care. You gotta drink that last soldier.
0: (laughs) That's amazing. It's amazing.
1: Like, there's there things our our parents say to us throughout our life that we just never forget. Yeah. Unfortunately for my dad, that's one of the things. I've-
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't leave a soldier behind.
1: <laughs> like, hey, Dad, you remember that time you told me, don't leave a soldier behind?
0: It stuck with me.
1: Yeah. Uh, that, that that Dad, all these life lessons you've given me and all these, you know, I really appreciate it. But the line that I will never forget.
0: Just don't <laughs> leave
1: a soldier behind.
0: He's like, I, I kind of wish you would have taken a, a, another <laughs> life lesson there. But Fair
1: I go, not. I can't help that you were pulling the last beer out of the fridge and you said it to me. Yeah,
0: yeah. I can't help that. Yeah, then little Jason just his eyes, his you know, his life just forever changed. And, yeah,
1: look, man, there there is uh, there are sometimes when I go out and I see things at a bar. It's just comical. I saw a dude get fleeced for two rounds of shots by five girls, and they just walked out of the place.
0: You know, that's just a a life lesson for that dude. It's just a life lesson.
1: It was two rounds of Patron shots. I'm sure that was not cheap. Yeah. And, like, they literally walked right out after those two shots. I was like... Oh, damn, man. I feel bad for you.
0: <laughs> that is that is sad. That is sad. That is
1: even, even the bards there looked at me and she, and she goes, did they just walk right out those two shots? to go, yep.
0: Wow. Well, there's a lesson for all the listeners.
1: And I was trying to hold my laughter in. I just could I couldn't. I couldn't.
0: Yeah. Man, that must have been a very expensive tab. Very little show for it.
1: Not even a good conversation no 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 not a good conversation <laughs> at all but uh we appreciate everyone tuning in for this episode of the podcast of course so we got podcasts for you every week you can check it out on youtube also on your favorite podcasting platform rate review subscribe like all that really do appreciate that And we appreciate you checking out this episode of the amir report podcast